market square So many mothers sighing Views had just come over We had five years left to cry This guy wept and told us Hello, welcome to Social Distancer. My name is Pete. I have had an unusual day today, really odd. I woke up with a cough, which was quite worrying. And it wasn't persistent, but it was definitely there, you know? Definitely there. And it kind of went away and then it would come back. And I took some paracetamol. And then I went for a wee-wee, and my wee-wee was like sludge, like really thick sludge, very dark, very dark, dark red, uh, kind of, not bloody, which was a nice sign, but kind of a bit Guinnessy, kind of like if Guinness did a cider, that kind of colour, you can imagine that colour, you can imagine that colour. And it clung to the toilet bowl and kind of dribbled down like really good high alcohol red wine clinging to a wine glass. Isn't that beautiful? A beautiful image. My piss in a toilet bowl. And I was uh, thinking, well, this is a bit weird because I don't feel, well, I've got a cough. But um, I don't think coughing and pissing are connected. I'm not a doctor, but I don't think they're connected. And um, anyhow, I found out that uh, drinking peppermint tea um, has an effect on warfarin. And I take warfarin for various blood problems that I have. Well, one blood problem is that my blood's too thick, boy. So, um, and I, like yesterday, I was drinking a massive amount of peppermint tea, and I never do. Um, so that was it, of course, that was it. So I drank a huge amount of water, and after that, then my wee wee was, you know, crystal clear, kind of glacial, probably very high quality drinking water. Um, yeah, so that was nice little uh, urine-based anecdote that you can tell your children. Um, The cough kind of came and went, but by the end of the evening, after a tiny thimble of wine, my family were just shouting Corona whenever I would cough, which is nice, isn't it? Uh, Now, I received a message from an old friend of mine, a very dear, very old friend. Well, she's not very old. Just put that in there, right there. But I've known her for a long time. And uh, she is like uh, quite a lot of people I know, an artist. And she has been affected by this, uh, you know, crisis. And um, her name's Kerry. And this is her... 
experiences or you know a tiny little sliver of her experiences with this event that I get to kind of roam, <laughs> roam some land, I guess, a little bit. I'm kind of stood in the orchard at the moment where they grow apples for cider and, uh, and there's baby lambs and crows and it's all rather beautiful. Uh, that's all kind of strangely balanced with the, uh, yeah, the stress that I'm feeling really with not knowing uh, how I might survive over the coming months. Um, as a self-employed artist who's lost all their work and um, I also work in an art centre that's now closed uh, and I was on a zero hours contract so yeah nothing there either and currently no particular plan from the government to support us either way on uh, in those particular circumstances yet uh, so we wait with bated breath but my goodness I uh, yeah I'm stood in the sunshine and Feeling uh, Mother Nature almost taking a breath, you know. There's no planes in the sky, there's hardly any cars on the road, and um, there's a stillness. It feels like the earth is having this moment to heal while the human race is just fighting for its, for its survival. It's, uh, it's all really profound. So today, uh, Richie Sunak um, told everyone, told the world about his plans to relieve the financial burden on the self-employed. Uh, here he is. Today, I can announce the next step in the economic fight against the coronavirus pandemic with new support for the self-employed. The government will pay self-employed people who have been adversely affected by the coronavirus a taxable grant worth 80% of their average monthly profits over the last three years, up to £2,500 a month. Thank you to Kerry. And I hope that Richie's uh, Richie Rich, Richie Rich, Richie's, uh, Richie is rich. Do you know that about Richie? He's rich. He's the son-in-law of a billionaire. Imagine that. And uh, he used to be my MP when I was in uh, North Yorkshire, in William Hague's old seat. Anyway, Richie, I hope Richie has done enough for the artists and the many self-employed people and they need to get it out you know you can't wait for to june christ's sake so they need to get it out and get their finger out So I think it's a good idea to start to reorientate ourselves 
around the relationship between life and death. If we could all just do that now, please. I'll give you a few seconds. Um, there's going to be a lot of people that die as a result of this virus. And we are not very good at dealing with death in, like, the world. <laughs> uh, there's probably some parts of the world that are much better than Britain that are dealing with death. And... difficult to talk about, it's difficult to live through, and it's, uh, you know, it's very odd when you have such focus on something so highly dramatic and significant for such a long period of time, uh, or a short period of time. And then you have to live with the consequences, live with the fact that you are still alive. But what about if you're the one that dies? What happens after death? It's a question that really started to interest me after I lost my father. And although I grew up a Catholic, I don't believe in the, uh, you know, Catholicism. Um, my parents were psychic investigators and they did lots of research into um, out-of-body experiences which now would be kind of termed near-death experiences and uh, there's you know various um, scientists and medical institutions that take NDEs as they're known very seriously and so a couple of years ago I really dived into the research basically as a way of one of the ways of grieving for my dad that died in 2015 and um, you know you probably know, even if you don't know about it, you know the uh, you know popular culture uh, way of thinking about near-death experiences. So you've got the tunnel of light, you go through the tunnel, you've got the peaceful, very loving kind of atmosphere and like a golden wheat field, that kind of thing. You see relatives that have passed away and they look in the way that they... Um, they're kind of their best in a way, like the way that you would remember them. Um, not the way that they died, you know what I mean? Not kind of emaciated. Um, but they look kind of healthy and vibrant and alive. And in all of the research, which you can, I mean, it's not really research, like it's not building towards anything. But it's an interest. You could call it a hobby if you want. And there's one very interesting interview that I heard once with a woman who said that she went through the old tunnel, got to the old other place, the other side, you know, through the mirror. And there she was greeted by these people that she didn't know, but they were kind of guides for, uh, you know, like kind of what comes next, if you like, the next chapter. 
and um, she was walking away kind of with them away from the kind of what do you call it like the birth canal or whatever you call it into this other zone and she looked back and she saw that everything behind her was changing uh, in the way that a theatre set is struck at the end of a run of shows you know the set was being taken down essentially and she said oh that's a bit weird to one of the dudes one of the guides that's a bit weird what's going on there and they said oh well what we do is we make it look in the way that you would expect it to look which makes so much sense to me you know uh, so for instance if I was to see my grandmother I only very um, vaguely remember my grandmother she died when I was very young but I do have a memory of her I remember what she looks like if I was to see her again I would be thinking well you're my grandmother but of course my grandmother has to appear to me in her like early 80s that's how old she was when I remember seeing her but if that grandmother was seen by a childhood friend of hers would the grandmother be the way that I perceive her or the way that the childhood friend of hers perceived her like a 12 year old girl for instance isn't that interesting hmm what's the answer eh? what's the answer what's the answer to the grandmother query so anyway these things are you know kind of not exactly uppermost in my mind but it's interesting when you kind of return to um, you know this question of what comes next what is after this life and on that incredibly serious note i will wish you good night thank you for listening Good night.